Good morning. I'm uh, Jeff, if we haven't met before, and, and I'm so grateful that we get to share this time together in God's presence. This is one thing that we do that we wouldn't do if we didn't know the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So today we come certainly to be filled, but we also come to honor Him because He is worthy of us gathering in His presence, singing His praises, and tending to His Word. Actually, during this uh, interesting, I'll use that word, interesting time in which we're living, I have found myself more hungry than ever to hear from the Lord um, early in the day before I start the day. Because it seems like if I don't get that center going at the beginning of the day, I wish I would by late morning or early afternoon or somehow earlier. We need to be hearing from the Lord during these times. And every once in a while, I actually find something on Facebook that's worth considering, you know, there's a lot there that gets me off track, but, uh, but I was at a break during the day. I saw a post from a friend of mine. His name is Dan Beecher. Maybe some of you know Dan. He often worships here at Triumph. and Well, often worships. This is his church home. Um, but, and I got permission to, to, to share this because Dan also is an amazing barbecuer, and I ate some of his barbecue at Bean Days in Horace yesterday. Anybody else had Bean Days in Horace yesterday? Oh, they're good. A few of you were. Anyway, uh, the story, I'm going to call it the parable of the stranded spray foamer, okay? And, and it goes like this. Uh, Dan was, um, here, I got I to gotta find it here. Okay, so this was Dan's post. He says, so today was one day back from vacation. I was headed up Highway 32 going to Maple Lake to start foaming on a lake home. He's in the insulation business. I was three miles south of Fertile when my coolant gauge goes wacko and is overheating. I pulled off to an approach to assess, assess the situation. It looked like the water pump went out. As I sat there looking up service stations, an old farmer pulls up. He drove to his house a couple miles up the road and brought me about 10 gallons of water. He called his mechanic, but he was swamped. So he told me to hightail it to Fertile, to Christian Motors. They looked at it, said, yep, it's the water pump. No, we don't have one, but we will have one on our afternoon truck at three-ish. He gave me the company loaner, Suburban. He prefaced it by saying she wasn't a looker, but she runs good free of charge, so I could get to our job and help out Ryan. He called me at 4.05 to tell me that they had it fixed. I picked it up at 4.50 on our way back to Fargo. And I know this is a long post, but I just wanted to give Danny, the service manager at Christian Motors and Fertile, and whoever that old farmer with the 10 gallons of water, I didn't get his name, I was in a hurry to get to Fertile, I wanted to give him a big shout out. There's a lot to be said of small town living, and those two guys were shining examples of what being one of the good guys looks like. Thanks, guys. It's running like a champ again. Now, that was a daymaker to be reminded in the midst of this time of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety that there are still good things that are happening. And as believers in Jesus, we understand that God is the source of all these good things. And, and, and we are called in this broken world to be a reflection of those good things. And I've got good news to share with you this morning. Things are going to get better. They really are. And, uh, and I'm going to share with you a verse that you may, have, uh, that you may be familiar with. It's from uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 11, and it goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that an amazing verse? And, and, and I've used that verse in a couple different ways. When a, when a person's at a milestone, like graduating from, from high school, for example, I think I've used that word a number of times as I've encouraged students, you know what, God has plans for you. You have a future and a hope to, to, to encourage them to live into those plans. I've also used that verse when I've been with, uh, with those that are going through a really difficult time. They kind of wonder what's going on. And so we go to God's word and we read, I have plans for you. I know those plans. And they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. One of the things that is really important for us as God's people to know during a time of, of circumstances that we would just as soon be different than they are right now, that just because the circumstances don't align with what, what we hope and, and what we think and, and what we desire, that, that God does still have plans for us. It's going to get better. We have a hope and a future. In fact, how many of you think that God has changed his mind on any of the promises he has made to us in the midst of these circumstances? How many of you think that he who said, I will never leave you or forsake you, is thinking, ah, maybe during this unsettled time, I'm going to take a break from these people, all right? How many of, of you think that, that when he said, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world, that that doesn't apply to this time? All of God's promises are as true today, and they're as important to keep in mind as they ever have been. We are people who remember that in spite of the circumstances, we have an identity that is not uh, held hostage to those circumstances, but we are known by the living God that he knows us and loves us, and in spite of our sinfulness, he has chosen to deal with us, not according to our iniquities, but according to his mercy in Christ Jesus, and we, do, we belong to him, we're going to be okay, we have a future and a hope, amen? Amen? Right now, we have a future and a hope. But we have more than a hope and a future that's grounded in the promises of God. We have a purpose. That purpose is especially important in times like this. Because there will be times when that purpose will shine through the darkness as a reflection of Jesus. I'm just going to widen the lens here a little bit around that very familiar verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us here may have that on a plaque or a coffee cup or a piece of art or a tattoo. <laughs> it's a really encouraging verse. But listen to, where, listen to where this verse is found in Scripture. and I'll give you just a little context. God's people had been living in stubborn disobedience. And God in his, in his love, God is strong and kind. And this, is, this may not seem kind, but it was time to get the, the attention of his people to turn their hearts back to him. So his people had been conquered by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar had gone through Jerusalem and taken the 
the finest, the gifted, the leaders, and carried them off to exile. They were now in Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet was called to speak on God's behalf during this time. And he did. He did. The verse that we read is in the middle of a letter that Jeremiah wrote from Jerusalem where life used to be normal for the exiles. And they were now living in Babylon, which was just not what they thought life was going to be like. And it goes like this. Jeremiah wrote, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Don't blame Nebuchadnezzar. I had a hand in this, the Lord is saying. Pray to the Lord for it, because if the city to which I have carried, uh, if the city prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I've not sent them, said the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Wow. I, for some reason, during this time of pandemic, during this time of civil unrest and, and racial strife, during this time of, uh, of, of political divisiveness like we probably haven't seen for a long time, during this time of unrest, it's kind of felt like Babylon <laughs> to me. This is not the normal that we, that we hope for and enjoy, and we kind of know what the future holds. And what Jeremiah says is, we know who holds the future, the Lord in whom we trust holds the future and he's given sure and certain promises. But more than that, he wrote to the people in Babylon who are missing normal and said, don't let these circumstances paralyze you. You have a life to live and you need to live that life in your identity as my children. Build homes. Celebrate the marriages of your children. Plant your gardens and enjoy them. And don't seek those who are going to tell you what you want to hear because you're vulnerable during these times, Jeremiah said. This may last longer than you think, Jeremiah said. But you have a purpose while you wait for me to fulfill your promises. So I'm thinking about this today. I don't know about you, but I find myself often 
prone <laughs> to focusing so much on the things that I wish, wish were different that I forget the things that are never going to change. In, in what seemed to be shifting times, I forget that we have a rock on which to build our lives. And more than just hope for the future, we have a purpose for the now. So as a church family going into a fall like we haven't had a fall before, we'll remember this fall. What is God's purpose for us now? Well, Isaac uh, referred to it earlier after Renata read from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I'm going to be in heaven, but you're going to reflect me here. When they run into you, when they encounter you, when, when, when you're in their midst, they're going, to wit- you're, they're going to experience a witness to me. As a congregation, how many of you have read the Constitution of our church lately? That's what I thought. <laughs> but if you did, you would find under our purpose statement that we believe our purpose as a church is to reflect the person and mission of Jesus in all aspects of our congregational life. We're here because of Jesus. And when we're off center there, we've lost our purpose. So we believe Jesus has given us great promises, but he's given us a purpose now, and that's to reflect him in our worship, in the nurture of faith that he's given as gifts to people in our midst, and that faith is a living thing that needs to be nurtured. We're a worshiping church, a nurturing church. And this morning we're going to talk about God's call for us to be a caring church. We're also called to be an evangelizing church. Next week, Pastor Vern's going to talk about what it means for us to be faithful to our purpose to reflect Jesus as we remember that there are lost people in our midst. And we've been found, and we know how that happens. And we get to tell others. So uh, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, we see the, the friend of Jesus, uh, the Apostle John, who was by now an old man, and, and he shares what caring looks like in this broken world, what, is an, what it is an extension of it. And this is what he said. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and truth. We know that we've been called into a life where God has treated us according to his mercy and grace. We've received that by faith and now we're his people and we now are part of a kingdom that's defined by these two beautiful uh, realities, one vertical and one horizontal. We're called to love God and enjoy God and and, and just uh, uh, celebrate his love for us and we're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And and what, what, what John reminds us here, love is more than nice words or sermons. Love is a lifestyle, it's action that actually touches the needs 
of this broken world. John knew Jesus. He watched Jesus. He couldn't imagine talking about the love of God without practical acts of love and na- love and action. Imagine for just a moment that if you took all of the moments in the Gospels where Jesus was caring, caring for people like him and not like him, caring for people who were eager to, 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 to follow him and people who were seemingly lost, all over we see the mark of, of Jesus' love was that love in action. Of course, that was culminated in that radical act of him giving his life for those who were living in rebellion to him. Love in action. And Jesus told a story that, uh, that we're going to kind of use to frame this today. It's a story about the Good Samaritan. Now, this is, a, this is a great story. It's probably one of the more familiar stories that Jesus told. And it's a little more significant than the story of the stranded spray foamer. <laughs> it has some similarities because someone sets aside with their plans for the day to step into the life of another. Someone goes out of his way to extend kindness. Those are, those are part of this story too. But when Jesus told this story, the punch of the story... The punch of the story is that the the protagonist in this story, the one who, who, who is moved to love in action, is a Samaritan. I think we have a hard time identifying with that, but maybe not so hard now, as we're living in a season in a culture of divisiveness right now. We've got an election coming up. Any tension about that? Any strong feelings about the election? Well, when you think of the Samaritan, think of the person that's on the other side of the aisle right now with you politically. Then you'll get the feeling of how these people heard it when, they said, when, when, when the protagonist is a Samaritan. Think about um, the civil unrest, bringing up lots of questions. Do you have friends that think differently than you do? I do. Imagine that it's someone who's thinking differently than you. And then put Samaritan on that, and you'll kind of get the punch of the story. How about the response that's appropriate to the pandemic if we believe there is one? And even that is, a, is, 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 is a, wow. Think about somebody who's thinking differently about this issue than you. And you'll kind of get a sense what Jesus is saying when he talks about the Good Samaritan. The story is found in Luke chapter 10, and it begins, uh, we'll be reading today from verse uh, 25 and on, in Jesus' name. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. These are two people whose livelihoods were connected to religious activity. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after, look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have, that you may have. Now which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. <laughs> Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So we see in this story, as Jesus talks about loving neighbors, loving our neighbors isn't always convenient. Lo loving our neighbors did not always fit our plans for the day or even the season of life. Loving our neighbors can at times cost us something. Loving our neighbors is an expression of the love of Jesus. But more than making those sacrifices, loving our neighbors is like the gospel crossing the divide between a holy God and sinners like us. Jesus not only laid down his life at great sacrifice, he did it for us. And he continues to reach out with that grace. For some of us, couldn't imagine ever not knowing that grace of God, but for others, we are by the road and we've been broken, and he reaches out to us. Even though our lives may have been going in a direction that had nothing to do with him, out of his great love, he reaches to us. Caring is God's love in action. And as it reflects the gospel, it's the kind of love that would not happen if we hadn't encountered the love of Jesus himself. As John wrote, since he laid down his life for us, we're called to lay down our life for others. If we have material possessions, if we're taken care of, and we have a, see a neighbor who is, who is struggling or has needs, and we don't reach out, how can the love of God be in us? Brothers and sisters, let's not just love with words and truth, John said, but in action, but in action and in deeds. So what does that mean for us these days? Well, it probably means different things for a lot of us because we're in different situations. But during this time of uncertainty, we remember who we are and whose we are. And as we say, Lord, first of all, I want to thank you for that radical love that reached out and touched my life. There are lots of people in my neighborhood, lots of people around me who have not encountered that. And I understand that I have good news to tell them, but, but I reflect Jesus, we reflect Jesus, which means it's not just words. So Lord, help me learn to live into this, this lifestyle that brought me into your family and now extends your family. Help me care. Help me remember that people really don't care what I know. 
until they know that I care. And my Savior was as busy caring even for those that seemed to make no difference. He was so inefficient with the way he cared sometimes. But he modeled your heart. Help us as a church family to model your heart too. Caring is a core characteristic of the kingdom of God. Jesus is our Lord. He cares for us. In fact, he invites us to cast all our cares on him. And then he calls us to be his witnesses in this broken world. And we're feeling his brokenness. And we have the privilege of reflecting our Savior as we hang on to those promises. Let's pray. Father, this morning we're grateful for your great love for us. And we just pray now that you would, um, in these days of uncertainty, first of all, remind us not only who we are, but whose we are. May we find our identity firmly rooted, not in the circumstances of these days, but in your promises and also your purpose. So we rejoice that, uh, that uh, you loved us, not only with words, but with action. We're so grateful. Give us opportunity to reflect just a small part of that powerful love in the world that so desperately needs to know the one who first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.